everyone. So today's podcast is going to be with Daryl Hers of Indie Week, and he's a Canadian music guy I'd like to learn a little more about. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome everyone to season two of the Musicians Insider podcast. I'm Cronus, and today we have Daryl Hers, uh, another Canadian in the music industry. And Daryl, I'm going to let you tell us what a little more about yourself, a little introduction here, because this is my first time meeting with you, and I want to hear how you describe yourself and tell me what you do. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Uh, I do, you know, in the music business, you wear a number of hats. And uh, one hat is I run Indie Week, uh, which has now become an online conference or conferences. We run four conferences uh, throughout the year. We also run Indie Weekly, which is every Tuesday we have a discussion. It's free to join. Uh, We have a podcast that comes out every Thursday. And then my other hat is uh, I work for uh, CD Baby and Downtown Music, which is music distribution, helping artists get their music out there. So uh, quite a broad spectrum, but uh, very active in the Canadian market. Well, that's interesting. So just a little bit so you know about me, I haven't been here for the last decade. I've been in California, but I used to be a Canadian independent artist. I had a band up in Ottawa in 2000 called Thermocline. We had a video fact and then... I moved down to the States around 2004, then I went to LA and I actually have a record about to drop, like literally, it was supposed to come out a year or so ago. And, but because I moved, I no longer, like I used to go to Canadian Music Week and do things like that. And so I'm a little off the Canadian scene. I did see a few people down at like the stuff on Sunset Boulevard when they would come down for it, but there really wasn't been a lot of Canadian talk in my life as much until I came back, but because of the pandemic, it's really been kind of weird. So I found it's right. been quite amazing that you can use the pandemic to join online communities and actually get to people like music supervisors or, or other producers that you wanted to talk to or engineers or just people you want to get in touch with, musicians, collaborations that were harder to do. I'd um, love to hear a little bit about, well, what you've been doing with Indie Week because I didn't know about it and I should have. And I want to hear a little bit about any other suggestions you have for new artists because this this podcast is for musicians to learn what, what they can do. So, I mean... Some people I get on here have done great, amazing things, but it's like, well, what do you recommend for someone today? Sure. Uh, well, on the Indie Week front, we were we were a festival and a conference in person uh, every fall, like in November. And with COVID, we've had to basically give up the festival side, unfortunately. And we've concentrated on the conference side, which we are able to do online. And we were hesitant but the results were great the positivity and the response was just overwhelming so we've actually launched three additional conferences and it allows us to focus on specific topics we could get more in-depth conversations about it as opposed to trying to cover absolutely everything and uh overwhelming people but so we do screen by screen in february Uh, that this year it's February 8th to 10th and that is music and tech so like NFTs, metaverse, blockchain, live streaming. Indie 101 is in May. That one is Indie 101 and that's really on education. How to think of like how to do a proper release, how to do a marketing campaign, how to do playlisting. It's it's really educational but it's for artists and, and businesses. Music Pro Summit is in September and that's high level discussions. So like we had Spotify, Ditto, Deezer last year, that kind of thing. And then Indie Week is our hub. And think of taking a little bit of all of those 
but really focus on international and international connections. That's in November. It's, it's uh, four conferences a year. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And our Indie Weekly is every Tuesday. It's free. It's been really amazing because we didn't know what to expect, but we're getting people that are connecting, they're collaborating, new businesses coming out of it. Uh, just an example, we had our first Indie Weekly of the year last night. And, you know, you're a little rusty when you haven't done it for a month. And I was like, I wonder if people even care are going to show up. We had almost 100 people. Uh, the engagement was almost the highest we've ever had. People talking in the chat, sharing. And just to give an example, I always ask, tell us where you're tuning in from, because I'm curious to know who's the farthest. We had people from Portugal, Madagascar, Africa, Russia, Lithuania, Indonesia, uh, Australia, and then all across North America and a bit in Latin America as well. Are these so, sometimes Canadians abroad tuning back in or are you finding you're getting completely new people or both? All the above, yeah. all the above. From Russia, it was Hannah. She managed an artist that participated in Indie Week last year. It, it's it really what, you know, kind of goes to what you said, like there's this online community uh, and a lot of it is the same people coming back. They might not be every week. So it's an interesting thing that this person might miss two weeks, but they're still coming back. This person might miss a week. They're still coming back. And it's been just really rewarding to see because they're getting to know each other, even though they haven't met in person. And and uh, it's a positive space right now, especially where music being hit hard. We're helping educate, we're helping connect so that the real goal is once we get out of the other side of this weird pandemic stuff, uh, hopefully we're better. We know more, we know more people, new projects are built. Uh, you know, you can go to a different country and already know people there. Uh, so, so it's actually really exciting. Now, about how, like, what should people be doing? A bit of advice. Uh, one, while we are in lockdown, participate in as many things as you can online. Like last year, uh, we participated in, collaborated with online conferences and festivals in Taiwan, Korea, uh, Africa, Europe, Asia, like you name it, we were participating. And, and you make connections and relationships, which makes your really your job, your career easier because you got more friends that are going to help you. So, so relationship building is super important. Get your business in order is really important. Make sure you're, if you are releasing music, you are registered properly, you're set up properly to collect music. Um, I find a lot of people kind of are hesitant, but we are in a digital world that's moving deeper into digital. And if you're not set up properly, you're gonna be missing out on money. And, and that's huge. So we're in Canada. Um, my audience is probably a little bit international because I've been in the States a lot, but I do get a lot of Canadians. And I know I would talk to you about things like factor.ca, which is a Canadian talent uh, on recordings funding. And I guess it's the foundation to assist Canadian talent. So that's a kind of a way that people can get funding. Are there international ways that people can get funding that you know of as well as uh, just the factor ones? I've been looking around for more um, that maybe don't apply to Canadians. I'm trying to find stuff that I can tell. And if you know of any, I'd love to hear about them. For uh, sure. So, so funding is an interesting beast. Um, on the factor side, they're great. 
you know, and there's sometimes people post comments about it and stuff like, oh, I didn't get this and that. Really, the thing is under, and I know that we went through this too, understand the expectations of the people giving the money. It's not about your expectations. It's really what do they expect? You want to make sure that you fit the grant that you are applying for, right? It's really important to do research and they want to know that you've done the research. It, it really will show in the application. So, so do that. And in Canada, we're very lucky. Um, there is the municipal level. So take a look at your city hall because there's funding there. Then you've got to look at your provincial level and there's funding there often. So for instance, in Ontario, there's Ontario Creates and, and, and look there. Uh, also, there's a provincial music association. So every province like Music Ontario, Music BC, Sask Music, Manitoba Music, uh, they potentially do. So you won't necessarily get funding from them. You might by participating in a program that they're doing. So gotcha. um, an example could be uh, Music Ontario is doing a showcase in Germany at Reeperbahn. And as an artist part that gets selected to participate might get part of their flights paid for. Now I'm only talking like things might change. I don't know if it exists anymore because COVID and all that stuff. So don't hold me to it, but all you have to do is get to build a relationship with your provincial association. Interesting. And then, yeah. And then if you go the next level up, SEMA, uh, Canadian Independent Music Association, I got some notes on here. I want to ask you about a few things. And that was one of them. Yeah. So, so, so I'm basically kind of going, here's the levels, right? Start in your city. Once you really build that relationship, then you go to the province. And then from the province, you go to national, which is SEMA. And they really focus a lot on export activities. Um, but all of these also focus on education. So they might have webinars, they might have panels and discussions. And they're also, the main focus for all of them is if we invest in something, a project, an artist, a business, will it increase business, meaning generate more money? And that's what they're really looking for. Got now, it. on the international front, UK, there's PRS, and it's kind of like a SEMA in PR, in, in UK, uh, but also a lot of the countries have these music associations. You have to just do the research and find them. Uh, I'm getting emails this week. Uh, Eurosonic is on right now. Dutch Music Export Office is promoting the artists that are playing there. And those artists playing there would have been funded by Dutch Music Export Office. So. Uh, but yeah, almost every country has some sort of association or office that the main goal is the development of arts and culture, and that also includes export. And uh, if I could just tie it up one little bit is that SEMA, for instance. And SEMA is a Canadian Independent Musicians Alliance or Association or something? Association, association. Yeah. Right, so SEMA might do a Canada house, say, at Reeperbahn in Germany, showcasing Canadian artists. Which artists are on there? Well, artists that come from Music Ontario. 
So Music on Chair gets to be a Reaper Bond because they're under the SEMA umbrella. It's like a it, farm team. <laughs> it, it's well, it is like each province has a chance to have representation. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of the part of it. Now, on the flip side, other countries are very similar. They have a music export office and they might come to Canada. And SEMA would know them. So often they're also creating business uh, like B2B sessions, meet the Dutch at an event in Canada. Uh, you know, with Indie Week, we've done stuff with MUCON, which is a, a Korean conference and festival. Uh, and COCA is the association there. They brought a delegation of Koreans to Toronto for Indie Week. Did you uh, do anything with Midem this year? Meet him. Um, no. Uh, so right before COVID, I was supposed to get on a plane and go to France and uh, go to meet him. And uh, that would have been my first time going. And unfortunately, they announced not too long ago that they are canceled. Uh, word is that the city is trying to purchase the rights to run it. Uh, who knows if it's going to get revitalized, but uh, it's a big blow to our industry for sure. So in Canada, I've been gone. Is Canadian Music Week and North by Northeast, are they still like things? Yeah, uh, Canadian Music Week is. Uh, North by actually, I just saw yesterday on LinkedIn uh, announcing that they're accepting artist applications. So uh, yes, although awesome. North by <laughs> hasn't really run for two or three years, I don't think. Uh, and CMW was online, I think, last year for the most part but uh yeah actually are... I, I attended some cmw stuff i just wasn't yeah. sure if it was the thing to go to still from your like the canadian perspective are those the big events still is kind of what i was asking they, they all are uh and go to indie week that's that's uh the one thing i would say and, like can people pitch now uh yeah basically anytime throughout the year send me an email kind of thing cool. uh we we right now we're, we've actually mapped out our entire year uh for the most part uh, there's, there's definitely openings to speak for sure. Uh, we're really, with it being online, we're really uh, focused on curation in that the content is really high quality. The speakers, the information that is being delivered is going to resonate with the audience. Um, and a big I would part hope, of it, I would hope you always do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's easy. It's like hard. when when it's in person and you've got four hotel rooms that you're running panels in at the same time. There, there's been sometimes I've been to events and it's like, well, that one was not really great. But when you're online, you want to be engaging, and and uh, that's why we do the four conferences because it's it's really focused conver conversations for that. Uh, main topic and, and demographic. Yeah, I'm very interested. I think um, we'll do our best to attend. It's four times a year. That's awesome. When, and the next one's pretty soon then. Yeah, February 8th to 10th, the uh, music and tech. And we've got like, uh, the, the other thing is this, this is a really important point. By being online, we're very agile. So for instance, uh, last year at Screen by Screen, we were just launching it. Clubhouse was like, oh, this is the big thing in January. It's like, Who's on the icon? That's an artist. We had him speak. And Clubhouse was really hot at this time. Right now, NFTs are hot. I just got off a call. We're going to have a legal discussion because over the last 24, 48 hours, there's been a lot of talk about legalities 
of NFTs. So by being virtual, it's really easy for us to be agile and really pick topics that are hot conversations right now. Um, whereas before you'd have to book flights, hotels, worry about. There's some uh, stellar. <laughs> yeah. There's some good NFT rooms um, on Clubhouse. I think it's nfts.news or something is the big one. I can't remember it now, but there's a few really good ones on Clubhouse. Um, and Clubhouse, yeah. it seems like no one's talking about it anymore, but they're still using it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I see a lot of like basically every night on Twitter spaces, there's NFT talks and metaverse talks. And um, yeah, we're, we're just very, we feel it's, it's actually a really good space online to have these conversations. Um, the other thing too is every session is recorded and our conference platform is up for three months. So anybody can go back and watch those sessions. Uh, another part is that's been very successful is there's uh, conversations that happen and they continue after the conference. So I think we were at 7,200 plus messages between attendees for our last conference, uh, which is mind blowing. And anybody can create their own meetups and, and con it continues past the conference, which didn't happen before. Uh, May. So in May is Indie 101, and that's very focused on education. All right. How to, how to do a proper release, how to do marketing plans, set up your business, things like that. Very cool. I want to ask you just, I don't have like, I just had a couple of notes, but I don't have any questions right now. I just want to say, do you have any suggestions for new artists, um, I guess in Canada, indie artists that are, they have an album, they played some shows. Obviously, the pandemic's made it very difficult, but they have distribution or whatever. How do they go about trying to pitch airplay? Airplay. So are you talking radio, yeah. uh, terrestrial or online or playlist pitching? Well, I would say, you know, where would you focus and then what would you do? I would suggest like all of them, obviously. But if you don't have a lot of all. money, like how do you do it? Like, if you can get on the radio, you know, in your local area by doing charity events that work sometimes but it's hard to get in their ad it's easy to get spun but to get a national radio ad is like impossible it seems i'm just wondering what the heck people are doing these days to promote radio and is it at all possible to get on uh it depends on who you talk to um for for traditional radio it is extremely tough uh for any artist to get on that has that's not on a major uh, it's extremely tough. There's often a centralized programming that takes place that gets beamed out to the syndicate and so on. So that's, that's super tough. Um, for campus radio, so as a D DIY artist, uh, I would suggest look at Earshot. Um, Earshot basically was kind of like the equivalent to CMJ in New York, if you remember those days where it'd be like, here's the campus radio charts. Now they have Earshot Distro online and it's not like distribution to Spotify. What it is, is you upload your music and it can get distributed to campus radio across Canada. That that's is a, awesome. That's, a, yeah, it's a, they're, they're great. So, so that's a kind of like the starting point, like do that at least. The, the traditional radio stations, you, really need a story, what's the angle, what's happening, do you have a buzz? Uh, and also build relationships, get to know them. You're probably gonna get a no, and then release something else, get a no, uh, but you need to build that relationship. Um, and then there's satellite, SiriusXM, and SiriusXM, 
They have many different channels, stations. They're always looking for new music. So do the research as to which station fits exactly my music. Make sure you know what you're pitching and to who. So is there an easy way to submit to just the digital Sirius and digital stations like XM radio, things like that for new artists? Uh, that I would probably say, just say, go to the website. There's gotta be something there. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I, I've got the relationship where I email them and talk to them, but uh, 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 I would say, you know, do, again, it's all of them are, you have to think of it as who's your competition, thousands of other artists. So you have to make their work easy and that you've done the research. If you haven't, they just hit delete. Like, why would they put effort into somebody that isn't even putting effort into making it easy for them? Well, yeah. and that's the thing is that a lot of the artists don't know how to make it easy for them. So that's, it's true. But, the, but part of the, the process is do and learn, right? And a lot of times I find artists don't do, and they, three years later, they're still at the same spot because they haven't learned yet. Um, you learn by your mistakes. I, I, I really say make as many mistakes as possible. And hopefully you can learn to not make those mistakes. And learn from other other people's mistakes as much as possible. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so th that's those ones. Um, but the, an important point to make is that there, we, we're lucky in Canada that we have CanCon. And I can't remember the exact percentage. 35? It's, yeah, it's either 33, 34, 35. Unless they've changed it. Yeah, I th yeah it's around that, uh, that they have to play Canadian music. And they'll, now, play, they'll play a two-minute song to get away with it. And then they'll go back to a, a U.S. song or something. Uh, Yes and no. Like the, the point is, uh, though, that a percentage of that 34 or 5% must be new Canadian music. So because the other way to get around it is I'm just going to play this same song that was a hit in 1970 over and over again. So, so they're always looking for new Canadian music. And, and so, uh, and again, you got to get on radars. You got like, do you have a buzz happening? Um, a big thing that I find a lot of artists don't do is they don't give enough lead up time to a release. You should be really looking six to eight weeks before your release date. And you got to start marketing around that time. People uh, don't know what marketing means. Most artists, they think they do, but they don't. Most don't. I, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a digital marketer. I do, I'm an SEO. So I understand yeah. the background of it, but still when it comes to marketing a music release, there's a whole thing that just people don't get that you have to like this week you do this and this week you do that and this week you do this and you have to have it all planned and have a game plan or else you're screwed. Right. Um, and, and, and we're Canadian. So I relate everything to hockey. Right. And you I relate think, everything to skateboarding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you think of it, the second the Toronto Maple Leafs are done their season, they're trying to sell season tickets. And that's months before the season happens. And, and if you think of it, everybody knows who the Maple Leafs are. They still have to do marketing. They still have to try to sell those seats. So as a DIY artist who a lot of people might not know you are, who you are, you got to think you need, even need more lead up time to let people know, right? So uh, that's something that's really important. And I talk to a lot of artists about is lead up time. Uh, so that means, you know, I really been preaching, I guess, over the last year, try to have your next 12 months planned, period. 
What about right. management, like getting a management team to help do that and finding management in Canada? And I'm asking these questions for artists. Like I have my own answers to all these questions, but I would like to hear your answers too. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, artist management is an interesting one. Uh, often if you're, if artists are asking for it, it often means they're not ready for it. And uh, to find, they're often going, how do I find a manager? Well, Usually, What's nothing to manage. <laughs> well, well, it's more that if you're looking, you'll probably find the wrong manager. Somebody who's not passionate about your career, about your music, that is just taking you on. Uh, that's often where you hear, oh, I had a manager and that ended badly. And it's like, well, how did it start? Right? So often it's more if you have a buzz, they will find you. And, and they'll want to work with you. They'll already know a bit more about you. So it's not a hard sell. And, and they probably are coming because they think it's the right fit. So whenever I've, I used to do management myself, but also consulting. And I've really said, you know, if you create it, like really get the buzz happening, you'll get discovered. And it's a different level. So it depends on how big the buzz is. And you pick the, the manager at that point that discovers you which aligns best with your with you yeah because like like and it it's a when i've worked with artists it's about optimizing your time because there's so much to do and a lot of the complaints is i don't have time to do all this and it, and to kind of be the pun is like i don't have time to manage this i need a manager right so if you kind of just sort of focus on certain things that helps create the buzz you're kind of growing that business properly organically not like oh i need to try to do this and this and this and this and means you're kind of watering down everything you're doing and then you find you don't have time to do the marketing but you need to get the release up and so therefore you're creating this cycle that repeats itself of not really creating momentum and and a lot of times when I've worked with artists, we focus on momentum because momentum is what will be the magnet that draws people in. You know? I like that. I like that. Just f define how you're, so you plan your, how you're going to grow your, 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 get your momentum going, get your release out there and get a buzz and make it happen all in a timeline that doesn't have shooting from the hip happening. Yeah. Well, the, the easiest thing is to play, I'll, I'll give sort of like kind of, quick tips that has worked every time I've worked with an artist. And so the first, A, find a venue that is in your hometown that you can sell out or have a capacity crowd without worrying about anybody else. Uh, often artists think I need to open for somebody and get their fans worst game plan ever for the most part. Cause you're promoting someone else's show. Well, it's just like nobody cares. Yeah. Like the real reality is I've been to so many shows that people show up for the one band they care about and then they leave. Oh, in LA, it was the worst. We played a show at the Whiskey once in this metal band I was in and like literally all the fans would come for their band and leave and the fans would come and leave and there was no camaraderie. It was pay to play. It was a goddamn nightmare. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the reality is it's your career. Focus on you. Right. And not saying don't play nice with other bands, but it's like, okay, I'll play a venue. This is the venue we can bring a capacity crowd and it's our show, right? 
yes, you have opening bands for you, but you get the credit. Wow, it's sold out or it's capacity. You're the one that brought that. Okay, so that cr helps create a little bit of buzz. You do that three times in a row. Oh, you're the band that always sells out, has a capacity crowd. Oh, what's happening here, right? You get blog reviews. And one thing I've found is when you have a capacity crowd, you get way more people posting on their socials, photos, videos, talking about it, sharing it. You go and like and share everything of theirs, you start building super fans. Other people go, I wish I was there. Why, what's happening? Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that I can't talk about that leads to that, but the point is, this is my home base. Now you know what it's gonna sound like every time. The bar staff, you're their best friend because they make money and tips because you're the band that brings all the people all the time. The bar owner and the booker loves you, right? So if there's any kind of high profile event or anything, hopefully you're the band that they're, or artist that they're gonna call upon. Yeah, I remember back in like 2001 or so, I was in a band in Ottawa and we were on the station that was playing us and there was like this contest to open for Edwin and they're like, we need you to win this contest. <laughs> yeah, well, this is how you get kind of on the inside, yeah. right? And then you can flip it and start going to the bar booker owner and say, we have this big event coming up and we're thinking of getting a beer sponsor can you introduce us to who you, one of your beer reps that you think would be interested in sponsoring this event? And now you can start working into sponsorships and it probably will be product only, not money right away, but it might be some money, but product, you could say, hey, if you buy a CD, you get a beer ticket or something that increases sales and, and that's money. So you kind of turn it around that way. Uh, that's the start. And I'll tell you, when I've done that with bands, we've ended up with private sponsors or financial investors that saw the band. Uh, we got one of the top producers in Canada that came to see the band and what was like starting to work with them. Uh, a booking agent where a band went on two national tours. Um, and then you can flip it where you go, what's my next major market that I want to get into? In our case, it was Montreal with this one client. So we did some research and we called a band in Montreal. Hey, we noticed you sell out shows every time in Montreal. Do you want a sold out show in Toronto? Cause that's what we did. And so then, then the strategy was, well, we want to do this three times this year, not once. So let's make the agreement now and book all three times right now. So now our year's booked and we have all that lead up time to do the marketing to make sure they're all successes. That's great. I love this stuff. And I think our audience will love it a lot too. That's it's really worked good. every time. And then it all, from there you scale up, right? And a big mistake, people come to Toronto thinking, I got to play the horseshoe, Lee's Palace. Yes, you do. But when you're ready and it's kind of like, can you bring 400 people? Otherwise I wouldn't, necessarily go there i screwed that one up but when was it 20 2004 i think it was so i did a show at the horseshoe where we like it was our first show first of all that's not that's how easy. you do it yep <laughs> first show at the horseshoe with like the lannies coming out everybody it was edge 102 new music night we were the first band on we were on at nine 
And honestly, that day just took all the energy out of me, like getting everything to the city, getting it all set up. And by the time I went on stage, I was exhausted and they all knew it. (laughs) And they're like, what happened? I'm like, what do you mean? What happened? I'm like, it's just been a long day. You know, it was like, we weren't dialed in. We didn't have our on stage back and forth down because I hadn't played 15 shows together, but it cost me so much just to get these guys to the city. It was like, uh, I'm not gonna be able to do this like with this. And then I left. I went to the States that after that. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but, but it's you got to build to that, right? And when I make the call to the horseshoe, it's do you want 180 people on Tuesday at 10 o'clock? I'll bring it. Can you? Yeah, we've sold out every time for the last year. So we just now want to scale to a larger venue. And yours, the venue that we want to be our next home base that we're going to do all our shows over the next 12 months with. So now I've invested in that venue and then hopefully they'll invest in us, right? And, and, and we're bringing what we say we're bringing. So you gotta be able to talk it and actually deliver it. But we've got the proof because we've done it enough. And then we also space it out where we haven't done a show in a while. So that it's like, people are getting hungry. And like, when are you gonna play a show again? And that's when you do it, right? Not, I'm gonna play I'm just naming off. I love all these venues, but like, oh, one shows at the Rivoli. One's going to be at Lee's Palace. One's going to be at the Drake. One's going to be at the Bovine. One's going to be back at Cherry Cola's and one's going to be, you're confusing your audience and you're go, saying, can you be here, there, this and that? It's really easy. To the same Again, place. Yeah, same place. That's a really good idea because everyone's thinking they have to diversify it and get all their fans. And what they're really doing is making it look weak. Well, well, the, it's put it this way. You kind of mentioned it. It's just a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. Oh, have you played here before? No. What's the sound man like? I don't know. So right off the bat, you're going in. I have no idea what we're going to sound like. Well, that's the thing too. Right? If you know how to do like, that's my, was my biggest problem was that about 15 years ago, but now I've got this shit dialed into Ableton and I've got like, it's going to sound the same everywhere I go. Yeah, well, the point is that we built a relationship where it's like, hey, could Bill be our sound guy tonight when we talk to the bar? And like, yeah, Bill's there. He knows it, right? Like, the the we get to know the staff. And when you... When right, yeah, you get so show, much more love at a club that you've played a lot, like Barrymore's Music Hall in Ottawa. We would go there all the time, and then finally it's like, if you want to do a show, it wasn't like begging them to let us bring in lighting. It was more like, okay, who's on the payroll tonight? Who's getting this done? Who's getting that done? And it's always a great show if you've used the room a lot. Your shows get better. Oh, yeah. Right? So so this is the thing is, one, you go into it with more confidence. You go into it like more concentrated on the show, not are we getting this or not or what? And And if anything's going wrong, the staff is actually more on your side to help you out. Like you forgot to untie your banner and they come and untie it. Every Well, many things, <laughs> many things right? And, that's from, and that's so, an example. <laughs> yeah, so, so the thing is that you got to look at it as this is my temporary business partner and it's win-win if everything is great. They want to sell beer. You want to have a great show and make money. So if both sides are on the same side, you're going to have a much better experience. And when it kind of becomes home base, it allows you to focus more on all the things to make it a success. This so, is really great stuff for new artists. I like this. Well, well it, you know what? It, we, I worked really hard at, at learning this. Uh, a, I was in bands and I made the mistakes. 
And then I started managing bands and really thought about this and actually created a system. And it worked pretty much every time. Uh, I called it fast tracking your career in 12 months. And uh, literally by 12 months, you should be getting offers, uh, either booking agents or labels or financial investors. And if not, it's not quite there. And did it you, worked every time. Did you ever make a course and sell it? Uh, I might be working on that. <laughs> like you could, you could use Coursera or something too. Like there's ways you can make money off that if you have it. I'm, oh I'm yeah. Just yeah. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a we, I've done a mentorship uh, online last year called future proof your career. And I'm working on expanding that right now. So very cool. Um, yeah. Cause it, it works. It literally has worked every time I've managed a band in Ireland and it worked there managed a band in UK and it worked there. So it's not geographically based. Um, and, and really when you build momentum, people are just gonna come to you. And that is the biggest key. And also often people are focusing on things that aren't momentum drivers. You're doing a big in the backyard kind of scenario and other people are trying to get big on Spotify. Yeah. And that's the yeah. wrong direction to go. Well, not necessarily, but, but the thing is, is they're going about that the wrong way too, in a lot of cases, you know, um, if anybody's been on sessions last year, they may have heard me use the phrase people add value. And I, I really simplify things and it kind of is like a no brainer to me. Uh, how do I make money? Sell things. Who do I sell it to? People. How do I get a booking agent? Prove you could sell tickets to a lot of people. How do I get a manager? Well, know that you can sell enough things that 20% for a manager is enough that a manager will want to do anything with you. So all this long, all the time, you know, how do I get more streams? More people listen to you. Uh, like everything is that. So the focus is on the people. And I think a lot of people focus on everything but the people. So on a power networking level, I, I've been called that before for some reason. So I'm going to throw that in there. Um, I like to go and network as much as I can, but like, I like to connect people together that need it. Yeah. I recognize the talents. And that's one good way to do that is if you find someone that will work really well for someone that's asking you for help with something by connecting always the people that are symbiotic or it'll be a good thing that really helps. Um, Absolutely. I do networking by helping people. Like I, I found a great manager and I, I literally found it by, um, helping them and, and helping them help me, like just always working together, like when we're all trying to find work, you know, trying to find jobs that we can all do, or just trying to share, you know, when there's a client that maybe a digital marketing client that maybe something I can't handle or has things that I don't do, I can give them to someone I know. And then that person believes in me later on. And then next thing you know, we have a team of people working together. And that's um, huge that you, you, you nailed it. That's it. Well, that's why I'm expecting that this year is going to actually be a pretty good year for me, but who knows what's going to happen with the pandemic. Uh, so you know, hopefully we can tour, but we'll, we'll get back to that later. Um, yeah. Is there anything you want to, I got to say you, you nailed it though. What you, what you said. So here's a big part, right? And it, it's not necessarily part of this, the, the, the program I use, but it's the overall philosophy, mm -hmm. right? Um, just to give you a quick story. Uh, I was a broke out of work musician. I literally quit my job at HMV without a plan. I found out the government, would pay for a course for me to learn desktop publishing, thinking I'll get back into a new career. And I volunteered for a radio station every Sunday 
it was a restaurant and food show, which meant as a broke musician, I ate really well once a week. Uh, but I would go on and the, all the restaurant owners and chefs and stuff would be asking me, what do I do? Like I'm volunteering, help them and stuff. And I tell them, I'm just learning graphics. And they're like, oh, we need a new logo, a new, new menu. Could you, I'm like, I, I don't know it yet. I'm, I'm in this course, but give me your card. And every Monday morning, I would go in and hand the cards to uh, either the teaching assistant or the teacher and go, here's clients, just eat, call them and you'll make money, do this work. And so what ended up happening is that after that course, and I've been self-employed ever since, is that I would get referrals and I still get referrals. I helped somebody out. And that could be through making a connection for somebody else that when something comes up and they think I might be the person for it, they're going to call me. And, and so if you help X number of people, like let's say 10, it's like you have 10 sales agents out there. That means 10 new opportunities might come to you in one day. You never know. Right. And just starting off of that, uh, I've been completely self-employed ever since. Uh, and everything has been a referral, and I've been very fortunate. Uh, I helped Canadian Tire launch their first website, uh, and that was off of a referral. I basically saved them. I did 8,000 images in three weeks, like all their products I did. Uh, I worked for Live Nation for eight years, and that was off of a referral. Uh, I currently teach at Harris Institute. That was a referral. I work for CD Baby in downtown and that was a referral, uh, you know? And, and so really, if you help a lot of people, you have a lot of people that are gonna help you. And most times, and I was in a band that was like this once, hey, did you talk to anybody? We're at this whole conference and connect, conference connecting and mixer. Uh, yeah, I talked to a couple of people. No, no, you got to talk to people. You got to go to every booth and get an endorsement. Get talk to everybody. Yeah, get the card, but then maybe follow up with a, a referral to them. Help them before you ask for help back. And uh, that's been my sort of mantra, and it it's got me here. And uh, this basically almost thirty years later, I'm still self employed, uh, running a business, and have some pretty big clients and stuff. Uh, I'm very fortunate, but it's all referrals, everything. Um, well, that's great. Is there anything yeah. you want to talk about um, that you want to tell, tell my audience before we, we close up here? Uh, just the fact that, you know, check out IndieWeek.com. We've got a lot going on. Uh, we, like I said, we have a podcast that comes out every Thursday. Every Tuesday, we have Indie Weekly. It's a free live discussion. Uh, everyone's welcome. Uh, we've got four conferences a year. We also do mentorships. You just have to wait for us to announce when and what this year. Uh, we've launched an import export program that was private invite only, but it'll be more public this year. Uh, and we've got, a, we've got a few more things cooking. Um, if you're looking for any info on distribution, interested about releasing music, uh, you can always hit me up at dhers at uh, cdbaby.com. And uh, if not there, you could always hit me up at Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L dot H-U-R-S at IndieWeek.com. 
I'm always open and uh, follow me on socials. I'm easily found. We'll post them all. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, that sounds great. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk with me today on the Musicians Insider. And maybe we'll have you on the live season three for another discussion and see how things have gone uh, in this season. Uh, or if you have anything coming up, send it along my way. So great Absolutely. speaking Thank to you. you.